All right, Dave. Uh, I got a question for you. Are you uh, are you ready? I guess not. This is thrilling, thrilling radio right now. Is Dave even here? Bueller? Hello? He's frozen, almost certainly. Is it my internet? No, he's frozen for me too. Uh, he's frozen for you too. Well. Then Brandon, I got a I got a question for you. Brandon, if you if you could pick the better Red Sox second baseman, who would it be? Mark Loretta or Pokey Reese? Second baseman? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, considering that he won a championship with the Red Sox, although he didn't play, uh, I'm gonna give it to Pokey Reese. <laughs> I'm gonna say I definitely think that he won the championship. That's great, but I think Mark Loretta was the better player than Pokey Reese. Um, because I believe, because I believe, well, actually, let me check. Pokey Reese was, yeah, he was also a shortstop for the Red Sox, but he was a gold glove second baseman, so I'll consider him a second baseman. But, Dave, nice of you to join us again. My computer died. Oh, that, that, those things do happen. Um, but yeah, Mark Loretta made an all-star team with the Red Sox. Just saying. Also was, was a top 10 MVP finisher for the Padres. I do not remember that, but... Anyway, Mark Loretta, Pokey Reese, great debate. Embrace debate, as they say. Um, all right, we're on to the second part of our mammoth pot. Well, Astros really have Rafael Devers' number. Um, that doesn't date us at all. But it actually does not date us at all because they've had his number for a while. But anyway, we are doing our top ten Red Sox players of all time. And by the way, if you get it confused, we're just calling it players because we did pitchers already. And this is purely position players. So the way this worked is it is a rank and react. Dave and I ranked. We're going to go through our top ten. Brandon will react when we get to whatever point we get to. We do, excuse me, have a pure tie at one point in this list. So we'll get to that when we get to it. And we'll do some honorable mentions before we get to number one. But with that being said, let's dive in. To our top 10 Red Sox players of our lifetime. Coming in at number 10, he was 9th for Dave, 14th for me. He had 717 hits, 130 home runs, 423 RBIs, hit 292, slash 363, 526, 889, and was a four-time All-Star in five seasons for the Red Sox. That would be J.D. Martinez, who, when you see him in the top 10, it might be like, oh, that's interesting. You wouldn't expect him there, but you look at the numbers... And he truly was one of the best sluggers they've had in the past 15, 20 years. Honestly, for that run, I mean, 2020 is the only year he didn't make the All-Star team. And it was obviously his worst year, but also there was no All-Star game that year. So other than 2020, J.D. was a pretty damn good player for the Red Sox. In 2018, he finished top five of the MVP. And he also won two silver sluggers that year. So, I mean, one of the greatest seasons of the past 10 years for the Red Sox. And I think... An incredible, incredible acquisition uh, for that team. Yeah, he was really, really, really good. Uh, he had that one year, especially where he was just destroying the ball. He was in like three thirty, and um, he didn't obviously have the consistency. I think certainly towards the end of his career, his power just completely evaporated here, which was kind of strange because you see with the with the Dodgers currently this year, but. Um, it was yeah. It was just really weird to to see kind of 
I think he had like three homers in like the last three months. It was t- just a really bizarre set of circumstances that you saw. But I, I think they, the Red Sox made the smart move to kind of move on from him because I think there's probably some more downhill going from him. But I think the signing they made of him was was awesome, and I still remember that kind of dragging on because there was really no one that needed a DH, and he wanted t- like twenty something million a year, and Dombrowski was like, "We're not going to give you that. We're going to give you twenty million a year." And he just waited him out because he knew he had no market, and eventually he caved. But, uh, yeah, it was he's just he was a really really good hitter, and he was good to have one around the clubhouse. Everyone talks about how valuable he was for studying pitchers, but he was a really really good hitter for him, for every year he was here, basically. Yeah, good old Julio Daniel Martinez, great acquisition by uh, Mr. Dave Dombrowski. Brand, what do you got to add on uh, on JD? Yeah, sorry, I was muted. Um, yeah, he, uh, super consistent player, uh, performed pretty much every year he was with the Red Sox, obviously, toward the end, it fell off, and I think it was a good move for him to go to the Dodgers because his swing wasn't tailored for Fenway anymore, um, and honestly, I would much rather have Justin Turner. I think Justin Turner is a, just a beast and quickly become one of my favorite players, but this isn't about him. This is about J.D. Um, made a significant impact when he was here with the Sox, basically a consistent 35 home run hitter for a, a good four years here um just an excellent pure hitter when he was uh when he was on and then just as far as um what he contributed to this organization you know obviously he was a big part of the culture and he was also a guy who um you know was just important to to making this team be what it was day in and day out during that run of being uh you know such an incredible baseball team in, in 2018 so Shout out to JD, had an excellent run here. Um, I think the the Sox ended it at the right time, like Dave said. And it is also nice to see him having some success with the Dodgers, although uh, he's uh, on the aisle for the second time this season right now. Coming in at number nine, 23 points, four points ahead of JD Martinez. He was eighth for me, 11th for Dave, over 1,100 hits, 250 doubles, 150 home runs. He only hit 255, but... Uh, three-time All-Star, won a Gold Glove, won a Silver Slugger, and most importantly, a two-time World Series champion. That would be the captain, Jason Veritek. Gotta love Tech, man. Tech and Lowe acquired him one of the greatest heists of the past 25 years or so for the Red Sox. Until they have the trade. Right, right, exactly. Um, but gotta love Veritek, man. He was just, you know, he's <clears throat> authored one of the greatest fight moments in the history of Boston sports, maybe in the history of any sport. Um, was really the, a heart and soul player on on the Red Sox, and he was the captain for a reason, man. He was he was such a great leader for them, and yeah, he wasn't the greatest hitter. You know, like I said, two fifty five. He had no PS plus below one hundred. It was ninety nine, so a slightly, slightly, slightly below average hitter. Um, only his OPS was only seven seventy five, so he wasn't you know tremendous hitter, but he was pretty damn good at playing catcher. I mean, three-time All-Star is no joke. So, I've always loved Veritek. He's always been the man. I mean, yeah, I'm top ten. Um, love him. Love the captain, baby. My captain right there. That had to have been probably the greatest heist in Red Sox history coming to us. Obviously, the recent one was going away from us. but yeah, uh, We'll get to that one later. Like, Exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's just 
I think this most surprising thing about Tech was the introduction of power towards the middle to end of his career. Mm. He all of a sudden became like a different hitter. And he became such a different hitter that Dave froze out of disbelief. Yeah, exactly. Dave just, uh, he, he found that he was so consistent that you just got to stop in, in, in your tracks and, and appreciate it. <laughs> Here he is. Here's Dave's back. Again. You Dave's, froze, Dave. Dave's <laughs> back. You froze, you froze from the greatness of Jason Veritek. We get it. <laughs> to be honest, I was so shocked. I didn't know what to say about him. He's so, he's so great. Uh, but yeah, the, the power surge kind of came in 03. I think it was when he had like... 20 plus home runs yeah and then from that point on he was kind of the next five or six years he was a much better power threat with doubles and homers right as opposed to just doubles which was what he was for most of his career early on but the benefit like the offense was always just like secondary to what he did with the staff but i mean to think of a catcher that can do what he did offensively and be as good as he was defensively and working with the staff was like like there's no you couldn't even put a value on that it's just it's so valuable it's just impossible to quantitate for for contract wise especially like if you did nowadays he'd make like he'd be worth like 300 million dollars right now right now this is fair this is fair i don't know about 300 million but he'd be worth more like, think about the catchers in the game right now i mean that is that is true that is true sal perez is like the second best catcher hey, you like watch your mouth talking about sal perez all right we're not slandering Sal Perez, all right? Hey, but you know what? I will say this. Veritek's OPS Plus is like 25 points higher than Yadier Molina's. He wasn't great either. No, not a great hitter. But uh, Brandon, the captain. Uh, you know, obviously uh, another guy who, who has his legend status cemented with the Red Sox. And as we talked about with Pedro Martinez in the, the last episode, um, it's very nice to see that Veritek has – continued role with the Red Sox and he's still having a significant impact on you know the 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 current generation of players and um as far as his um playing goes you know caught four no hitters one at every level of baseball he's played from the Little League World Series through high school through college through MLB through with Team USA um so he's the ultimate winner and one of the the most you know tried and true Red Sox players in the franchise's history um, so he definitely belongs on this list for sure. Number eight, a teammate of Jason Veritek's. Actually, a couple of these guys were teammates of Jason Veritek. Uh, three points higher on the list. Seventh for Dave, ninth for me. So top ten for both of us. A 31.3 baseball reference for 2008 MVP runner-up. Almost 1,000 hits, over 200 doubles, over 130 home runs. Hit 287, an 875 OPS, and a 126 OPS plus. A three-time All-Star and a two-time World Series champion. The, I believe, well, not not in this game, but the color commentator voice of the Boston Red Sox, Kevin Euclid. Probably the best first baseman they've grown in 30 years. Until maybe, I, until maybe somebody else, maybe, maybe, who knows. But right now, the best. I kind of, I tend to think, especially when you look back at his numbers, I think Euclid was like, was pretty underrated with what he produced, especially that one season where he was like third or fourth in the MVP voting. And he had like 287 with like 32 homers. And he There's... always had that on base percentage that was like the mark of a really, really good controlled hitter because it was always a hundred points higher than his average or whatever 
his average ended up being. And I think the the thing that gets lost with him too is he came up as third baseman. Mm-hmm. And he like he was okay. He was okay there. It wasn't bad, but mm-hmm. he wasn't elite. And then he moved across the diamond because they had to have they, they didn't have anyone else and they wanted to play him. And he all of a sudden became like a gold glove caliber first baseman and didn't make any mistakes over there. Like he famously had that streak. It was like 800 straight games without an error or something, which I mean, first base, it's not, it's not incredibly difficult to do, but it's still something like it's still an achievement. Yeah. And I I just think that like, we oftentimes don't really talk about him when you talk about great players to the last 25 years for Red Sox. And he should absolutely be in that list. Yeah, uh, Kevin Euclid is the man. Uh, it's nice that he had such a good uh, send-off in his Red Sox career when folks knew that it was probably going to be his last at-bat here. Not the greatest uh, commentator, but um, definitely a guy who made a significant impact on the Sox. I'm pretty sure he was, like, top three in MVP voting one year, too. Um, just a guy who ultimately is pretty underrated in terms of what he did for the Sox. And um, the fact that he played such good defense there and was also such a good hitter, um, hit at old random spots of the lineup too he was a, a leadoff hitter bat number two number three cleanup he batted all over the lineup got hit by pitches a ton too so he was a guy who would uh you know take his licks and um do anything for the team so uh, i think that's the exact type of vibe you get from kevin euclid when you think back on him um and yeah even a guy who uh went to the yankees for a little bit and Sox fans don't don't seem to care one bit so uh again shout out to kevin euclid well it's funny you guys mentioned that because kevin euclid Indeed, uh, had a pretty high finish one year in the MVP race. He was second in 2008, and the guy he was second to is number seven on this list. He was seventh for unbelievably. I don't know how this happened, but somehow it's like a like an like a joke by the cosmos. He was seventh for me, and somehow eighth for Dave. So I somehow had him higher on the list. Is Dustin Pedroia, the 2007 Rookie of the Year, 2008 MVP, over 50 B WAR. 1,800 hits, 394 doubles, 140 home runs, 138 stolen bases, which I forgot completely about. Pretty much a 300 hitter, 805 OPS, which is pretty damn good. Four-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove, Silver Slugger, and three World Series titles. Um, wasn't really a part of the last one, but he was still on the team and obviously you know, contributing you know, on the bench. But still, um, look, it is very well known that I'm not the biggest Pedroia fan in the world. But even with all that being said, it is obvious that he's one of the six or seven or eight best players this team has had in the past 30 years. I mean, you win an MVP as a second baseman, that's, that takes a lot of work, man. That takes a lot of work. You have to be really good, especially if you're beating your teammate over at first base. And it wasn't even really that close. Um, it may have been a down year for the race, I don't know, but... It, he had a really damn good season in 2008, and he's just one of those guys where could have been on a Hall of Fame path, but injuries just caught up with him way too early, and he just couldn't stay healthy, and it ended up hurting him in the end. So I think, you know, those first few years, you know, from 07 to 13, that half dozen years, that's really what cements him in Red Sox history, especially in the past 30 years, but... Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> even I, who am not super, super high on Pedroia, you know, having him in the top seven or eight, that was there's just, just a no-brainer. So I'm just tripping on one thing. Jake, you don't like Dustin Pedroia? Not a huge fan. 
Okay, well, I took me a second to realize it was sarcasm. Uh, no, I'm not not a huge not I'm not a huge fan of Pedroia. Um, but I know Dave right now is thinking that's not that's not me. That's him. If Pedroia is listening, but um, I I ranked him below you. I know how did you rank him below me? I was just looking at his numbers and I was going off of it and I was like, you know what? I do not as remember. I don't remember him having 138 stolen bases. That I did not remember. He always was. He did that thing. He perfected that thing about wave the hand over the attack. That's true. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. He also perfected the thing called nobody thought he was gonna run. <laughs> well, he was so slow. For like a small guy, he was so slow. He was. Um, but, I mean. He got really good at, obviously he was an elite defender, like before his knees gave out, he was an elite second baseman defensively. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter what anyone says offensively, he was arguably the best second baseman defensively every time he went on the field, except I think Kinsler probably was, when he was at the Red Sox, he sucked. But for most of Kinsler's Mm -hmm. career, he was probably the best defensive second baseman. Um, Ian Ian Kinsler, the reason it wasn't a sweep in 2018. (laughs) Yeah. Aside from the fact he didn't hit at all, too. But, uh... I love Pedroia, and I loved watching him, but he just wasn't ahead of the guys that I had on my list. He just, like, when you look at the numbers, he just wasn't better than most of the guys that we went through. And we, me and Jake ranked 20 of them, like you said. And it's, the one thing that was hard is, obviously everyone knows, like, the top two or three guys from our era. Like, those are obvious, but it's like, how do you rank the guys like J.D.? who had two or three elite-level seasons but only played here for four or five seasons. Like, how do you even like, quantify that as opposed to Pedroia, who played his whole career here, played, like, ten seasons here? So I just thought that his his stats were just not worthy of being higher than the next six guys. I could see moving him up maybe a spot or two, but the other guys were just head and shoulders above him. All right, on number six, <clears throat> tied actually with Dustin Pedroia, but because I had him fifth uh, higher than either of us had Pedroia, that puts him in the number six spot. Uh, he was fifth for me, tenth for Dave, so a bit of a gap there. Probably the biggest gap for anybody in the top ten, actually. Um, but we both had him top ten. So uh, that would be your current third baseman and guy who should be a Red Sox for life, Raphael Devers. Uh, look, I know he's not Sterling defensively. He still has time, though. He's still relatively young. He can get there. But Rafael Devers is the best pure slugger they've produced in a long time. And I know that you can consider a couple of guys coming up here as, I mean, I, well, really just one guy as the better player, and that's undeniable that he's a better player than Rafael Devers. But if you're talking pure slugger that they have homegrown, I mean... You'd have to go back a ways to find somebody. Let's put it that way. I mean, Ra- Rafael Devers is just such a dynamo with the plate. He can hit. He's like a left-handed hitting Vladimir Guerrero. Like, he just can hit anything out of the park. Like, you could put the pitch anywhere. He'll hit it. He'll swing at it. Trust me. He'll swing at it. Um, you could bounce it up there like they did to Vlad that one time. He'll hit it. No doubt. But he's just such a – he's also just such a fun player to watch at the plate. You know, him talking to himself, him kind of, you know, getting in his own head a little bit. It's just, 
I, I love watching him play. Rafi's one of my favorite guys. I'm so happy they decided to keep him around because he needed to stay. I know he's having a, you know, down year defensively. I mean, people are saying he's having a down year offensively, and he's really not. He's actually a really still having a really good offensive season. I know it seems down for him just because it's not otherworldly, but guy's having a pretty good year. It's just for a not very good team. Um, so I hope he remains a part of this core for a, a very long time because he's a very important piece. And... I mean, he talk about great first impressions. I mean, the first memory I have of him, and I'm sure a lot of people also do too, is him hitting an opposite field moonshot against a Roldis Chapman at the age of like what twenty. <laughs> he was like, I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a baby face still, but like he was fresh up in the league and he hits an absolute tank to tie the game. Um, iconic moment to start off his career after all the hype and living up to all that hype is not easy, as some of these other guys we'll get to uh, can attest to. But yeah, Rafael Devers, I think, I know it's, I know it might be early to say, I think there's enough of a sample size to say that, yeah, he's, he's going to be a fixture of this team for a while. And in terms of homegrown guys, they have done, they haven't done much better. In fact, I believe he is the, there's only three guys, I, oh, there's three, three guys ahead of him who are, who are homegrown, but I digress. Uh, Dave, Rafael Devers, 10th for you. A little low, I think. Yeah, I've just—I was just going off of potentially like what his career could look like down the line, and um, trying to balance that with giving respect to the guys that finished their career and did great things for their career. I—I I mean, I think it's fair to say that in the next two to three years, he'll be pretty comfortably in the top six to five, and then after that, it's—it's it's really up to him how, far, how high he wants to go, but. Um, certainly, it would be cross number one, but he could he could theoretically get in the top three or four pretty easily, I think. Yeah, uh, Bryn, do you fall more on the Jake side, top five, or Dave side, top ten? Um, I would put him a little bit higher. Um, I think that just his pure hitting ability and taking into account what he's probably going to do going forward, and also the fact that he's been a fixture of the Red Sox since he was like twenty years old. Um, I think all of that definitely plays into account. Um, like we mentioned, <laughs> uh, like we mentioned with the defense, that uh, honestly, like it, it's really disappointed me this year because he made such significant strides over the past two years. I feel like, and he's regressed completely this year uh, on his defense. And uh, whether it's just playing hops at the incorrect, um, like in the incorrect way, where he's just sitting back too much, or um, when he's rushing a ball, not being able to pick it up cleanly, things like that. You know, obviously those are very difficult plays for third baseman to make, um, but you need your third baseman to make those plays because they're so difficult. Um, so as far as things go into the future, I also would say um, I'm firmly against the side of making him a full-time DH. Um, I think with the way baseball is going, it's so much more preferable to have a guy who you can to have guys who you can cycle in and out there and use it as a time where you can have a guy still hit but maybe not have to do as much significant work on the field. Um, if you have, obviously, a, a hitter who's as great as Rafi, you can make it work having him be a, a permanent DH. But I think, uh, especially after that last season of having JD with the Sox, uh, for me personally, I think that flexibility is a bit more appreciated versus having someone be a full-time DH. That said, if they were to go with that route, wouldn't be the end of the world because again his hitting ability is just so out of this world and 
uh, like you said, Jake, a lot of people are saying he's had a down year because he was kind of up and down at the start of the season. But if you look at his stats, they completely check out in terms of his career averages. And, um, you know, he's had his hot streaks, his cold streaks. He's picking it up lately. And then the series with the Astros, you know, he's obviously hasn't been, been great so far in these first two plus games. Um, but with all that said, you know, he's still one of the best pure hitters in baseball. I would say, you know, a top five or so. Um, just pure hitter in terms of what he could do. Uh, like you were saying, hit any pitch inside of the zone, outside of the zone, low, high, whatever it may be. Um, he can swing at it and he can reach it and he can knock it 450 feet. So um, I think Rafi's definitely got room to grow and he'll at a higher on this list. Biggest thing is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely the defense. He's got to figure that out. Um, but he's on a, a great trajectory and he's already got a ring under his belt. So I'm um, doing something right. For sure. We have a straight-up tie for number four because it was one guy was fourth for Dave and sixth for me. The other guy was fourth for me and sixth for Dave. So there was no ability to break the tie. So it's a straight-up tie for number four. And boy, how, how well it worked out because they, spoiler, played the exact same position. Uh, first, we'll start off with a guy who had over 35 baseball reference war, nearly 1,500 hits, over 300 doubles, 150 home runs, Nearly 700 ribbies, 292 batting average with the Red Sox, over 800 OPS, a four-time All-Star, a five-time Silver Slugger, and two World Series championships, Xander Bogarts, the $360 million man or whatever his uh, contract was. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of guys I love watching play for the Red Sox, I mean, I feel like the biggest disappointment for Xander, quote-unquote disappointment, was that his his slugging never really got to a level of being a consistent like 25 home run guy and i think people expected that and i think he you know could still i mean he's he's hitting some bombs this year uh, when he's on the field for san diego but he he just never really rose to that level of a guy who was consistently hitting 25 30 home runs i mean he has over 300 doubles with the red sox so that that was never an issue um but yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could you could watch Xander and not enjoy how he was playing, and his his leadership I think was really understated. I think for a period where the Red Sox, you know, after they lost David Ortiz, someone needed to fill that void, and it was kind of open for a while. And I guess Mookie had it for a bit, maybe Sale and that with the World Series when he was rallying everybody had it for a little bit, but I don't think anybody filled that void better than Xander in the post-David Ortiz era. And he was just such a joy to watch. I mean, really quintessential shortstop. The only, his biggest flaw was he wore number two for Derek Jeter. That was his, his biggest flaw. So, um, other than that, I mean, he was just a, a true joy. And I'm so, I'm so not a fan of people kind of rooting for his demise and, you know, saying how his, the contract he got was ridiculous. And, yeah, I get it. I wouldn't have given him the contract either. But A, always support a guy getting the bag. Good for him. B, had some great memories here. C, I won't even bring up the story contract because I don't want to prolong this episode, but you know how I feel. So, love Xander. Wish he could have been a Red Sox for life. Really should have been, but at the end of the day, what we got from him, those those unbelievably 10 years, that decade with Boston, just a, 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 a really sensational player. So... Love Xander. Yeah, I I would tend to agree on pretty much everything you said, but uh, it certainly was a surprise to see him hit more average than power 
in his career. Because it seemed like growing into his body, he was always kind of a bigger guy at shortstop, which was what brought the questions of, is he going to play short his whole career? Is he going to be third base? Because he obviously came up and played third because they needed him to, with Middlebrooks kind of not working out long term. But, um, yeah, it's he was a great person in the community. Took the hometown discount the first time, expecting that he'd be treated fairly the second time. And we talked about this earlier. He wasn't. And uh, I think the Red Sox were interested in keeping him in the offseason. But once the Padres came with that offer, there was no way you were going to match that. And uh, I don't think anyone ever said that they should match it. The issue is that they continuously put themselves in the situation where you go into free agency and you just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, routinely teams overpay in free agency for players, not quite to this degree, but they overpay and that's the risk you run because these teams are trying to get those guys in their buildings and they know you have to offer a little bit more to beat other services and to make sure you, you uh, secure them. But overall, I just, like Bogart's career was was awesome here. He did pretty much everything they asked him to. He was a leader. He developed. He embraced the community, and he had had a lot of really timely hits, starting with taking that walk on that really tough pitch from Scherzer against the Tigers that led to the grand slam, I believe, by Victorino next. So there's there's a lot going on here, and it's disappointing Bogarts isn't a part of it, but. He was certainly one of the best players they've developed in the last, I would say, even like 40 years. And, and uh, according to you, Dave, the best shortstop they've developed in the past 40 years. Absolutely. I, I think that uh, because I think the durability factors into that, too. So before before I, I go to you, Brandon, I'll just introduce the other number four because it's pretty obvious at this point, I think. Uh, also tied for fourth, the 1997 Rookie of the Year, over 1,200 hits, over 275 doubles, 178 home runs, a 323 batting average for his career with Boston, which is pretty crazy. Slash 375, 53, 923, a 133 OPS plus, a five-time All-Star, a one-time Silver Slugger, and four top 10 MVP finishes, and also technically a World Series title. Even though he didn't was not a part of the team when they won it, he did play on the team in 2004. Nomar Garcia Parra. So, Brandon, I will ask you to, I guess, really break the tie here. Would you put Nomar or Xander as the best shortstop the Red Sox have produced? Uh, I would put Nomar personally. Uh, um, look at this. Brand and I are on the same wavelength tonight, Dave. I don't, I don't know how you, even, how you even respond to this. Reason being, you know, obviously Xander has the longevity, um, and then Xander had a more significant part of those championship runs. Uh, but Nomar's peak was um, pretty untouchable. Xander was was excellent, but it was definitely not. As what good. happened? What happened with that peak though? What what did they do? He did fall off, but I mean, it lasted for like a solid five years, and I think that's long enough to 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 say that that it was that it was significant. And, and hey, oh, brother, baseball is a team sport, Dave. Okay, no more can't do it all by himself. <laughs> I think the other thing I'll highlight too is, um, you know, with his contemporary, his main contemporary being Derek Jeter, um, you know, Nomar's peak was better than than pretty much what what Jeter put up honestly like if you're talking obviously Jeter had the longevity Jeter had the way better career Jeter is the winner I'm not arguing that whatsoever but just in terms of the best baseball each of these guys were playing um you know Nomar was stacking up right there with Derek Jeter um Xander obviously I give him his props again significant part of a champion two championships low-key I mean he did play a little bit on that 2013 team yeah he was Um, no slouch he was important too um although I will say 
that contract, I'm happy he got it. I'm especially happy he got it from a team other than the Red Sox because that's such a bad deal. And I think it's going to look so bad over the next few years. Um, again, happy he got it, happy for him. But I think the Padres are just the perfect example of a team that throws money at issues. And it sucks that, you know, the Sox weren't able to keep him, especially since his contract with the Padres, when all is said and done, if he's there that long, it's going to be longer than his 10 years with the Red Sox. It's going to end up being 11 years there. So he'll have played a longer portion of his career with San Diego than he did with the team that he came up with in the Red Sox. And that kind of sucks. But um, as far as, you know, the timing of the Sox moving on from him, I think as time goes on, it's going to look like they, they got off at the perfect time. Um, with that said, it didn't have to be so difficult with all of the contract issues. And it sucks that his last year here has so many of those. Uh, it seemed like they were, he, his last year here, he just wasn't comfortable with being uh, on the roster. And it seems like they were never on the same page with how things were operating, whether it was his contract, whether it was how the team was operating, the direction they were going. And I think that left a sour taste in a lot of Red Sox fans' mouth, uh, mouths, which, again, I also think sucks because... I definitely understand where he's coming from with a lot of those things, you know, contract yeah. year, you want your money, you want to be, you know, somewhere where you're wanted. And also, you know, you're seeing your friends getting traded at a significant time of year and things like that. I don't think he handled everything, you know, exactly how he should have, but I think it's also understandable given the circumstances. And I think it sucks that a lot of people use that to sort of um, put a footnote on his Red Sox career when there were so many, you know, excellent moments and, this guy was probably the best pure hitting shortstop for I thought two years, um, in in like the late like 2018, 2017, 2019-ish range. Um, and again, we wouldn't have won that World Series in 2018 without him. And he even had a significant impact when he first got to the show um, in that 2013 year as well. So when all is said and done, and he retires. I think Xander Bogarts is going to be a guy who's around Fenway consistently. Um, again, it sucks how things ended at this current moment, but I don't think it's going to end up souring. You know the relationship or the things that he did in the Red Sox in a Red Sox uniform. I will also say this: uh, next few years, I know he was kind of up and down this year because he's hurt, but next few years are very important to his extremely curious potential Hall of Fame case. If he's to make an argument, next three or four years are very important. So good luck to Xander Bogarts. I'm pulling for you. We all are. Do you guys think he has a shot? I don't think he has any shot against. I think he absolutely has a shot. I mean, he's. He, by the end of his career, could be eight-time All-Star, nine-time Silver Slugger, could be over 2,000-something hits. I think he absolutely can get there. That's a good point. I just, I don't know. I just don't know He's how... still young. I mean, he's only 29, 30 years old. He has, a long, he has a long way to go to make or break his case. Definitely. It's just there's a lot to go as well. But I think that's a, that's a good point you bring up. And it would be dope if that it did end up happening or not. Five-time Silver not. Slugger is surprising to me. I couldn't, I forgot he had won that many at shortstop, which is, hey, you get as many accolades as you can. I mean, he, like, again, people never, I feel like they never gave him the respect he deserved as just uh, how good of a pure hitter he was because he never had, like, 30 home run seasons and whatnot. Right. But if you're hitting 20, 25 home runs with 30 doubles and a 300 average, it's like, what do you end up taking? Is that something where you're going to be, you know, pissing and moaning about the extra four to five home runs? Or are you going to say, like, wow, this is one of the most great hitters. He was a pretty clutch hitter as well. Um, just a guy who consistently was able to, you know, put the ball in play and, and, and rack up the hits every single year. I know that Robin Yount won two MVPs, but Xander already has more all-star appearances than Robin Yount did, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So 
I believe he has, he has over 3,000 hits, but uh, we're not counting. So he also started playing when he was like 17, so whatever. Um, anyway, into the top three. The top three are separated by two points, so really close one. All of them were in our top three for me and Dave, so not a lot of separation here. Coming in at number three, he was second for Dave, three for me, 33.2 baseball reference war, 1,232 hits, 256 doubles. I, for some reason, forgot to write home runs, but just it's a lot. 868 RBIs, a 312 batting average, which is higher than I remember. 411, 588, 999 uh, slash, so pretty much 1,000 OPS, a 155 OPS plus, an eight-time All-Star, and five straight top five MVP finishes, and a six-time Silver Slugger, Manny Ramirez. Maybe the best pure slugger, and that says something, that the Red Sox have ever had. Well, I'm sorry, in the past, like, 25 or 30 years. But, my God, did Manny have one of the sweetest swings you'll ever see especially for Fenway. And that's it. That's all we have to say about me. <laughs> no, it, I, I, I think you're right. Manny probably has the most beautiful swing of anyone and probably is the best pure hitter. Uh, certainly. I actually was thinking about this a while ago. I think he might have the case for the most um, value gotten from a free agent ever. Oh, I think so, yeah. Because Uh, he signed an eight-year deal. And until the very last year, halfway through, he was a good soldier, didn't make any problems, and hit routinely hit 300 with 30 to 40 home runs and 100 RBIs. How do you even quantify that? I I just love how he fit here perfectly, too. Like He fit here like a globe. Um, Up until, obviously, the end there where he got traded to the Dodgers. But he was a guy who was just beloved by the fan base. Everyone took him for what he was. It wasn't like he ever had to, to change the way he played, even though low-key you probably wanted him to in some instances, like give him a bit more effort on the defense and stuff like that. Um, but as far as the hitting goes, you know, one of the greatest hitters of his generation, still like low-key, somehow, you know, underrated in my opinion because he just doesn't get put into... Like, for example, obviously Ortiz is in a class of his own, but he's like a fraction of a hair off of David Ortiz just in terms of his clutchness, his talent. This is the guy who has, uh, I think he has the most grand slams ever. Um, I think he's second to, I think A-Rod has the most. Okay, because I was going to say, if not, he's up there. Cause he's hit, like, I, I know it's in some, slams. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. In some order, it's A-Rod, Manny, and Gehrig. I think those are the top three. Yeah, I, was, I, I, knew, I knew he was up there because, I mean, anytime there was uh, uh, runners in scoring position situation, you know he was going to come through. I remember that one home run he hit in Toronto where he got it up to the third deck, and oh it was, God. like, 480 feet, and it looked like he was just, like, check-swinging the ball. Um, even in his Cleveland days, even in his L.A. days, even with the, the White Sox, not the not the Rays, even with the White Sox, he was able to <laughs> have a little bit of pop in his at Not the Rays. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. But as far as um, his career goes overall, I know obviously people are going to talk about the steroids and whatnot. I still say put him in the Hall of Fame easily. Hey, I mean, I'm I'm very vocal about putting A-Rod in the Hall of Fame. It's a museum. It's about tracking history and historic moments in, in baseball and who you can't tell the story of baseball without, and you really can't tell the story of baseball without A-Rod or Manny Ramirez. And I'm, it's pretty much, I would say it's pretty unbiased because that's one Yankee legend and one Red Sox legend. So, I mean, Manny, there's just, there was no, there's been nobody like him in my 30-ish years of watching or being a Red Sox. I guess 25-ish years of being a Red Sox fan and watching baseball. I mean... Man, you're old. Yeah, I know, right? Tell me about it. Um, But it's just... 
it, it was so much fun watching him play. And, I mean, yeah, you remember all the home runs. You remember the standing and putting his arms up after the home run. And then you remember diving for a cutoff throw and using the monster for the bathroom in between innings and being late to get back out to left field. Um, I just I, – I think – I, I think I agree, you know, with what you said, Brandon, in terms of he's almost become underrated, and I think part of that is the, the PED use. I think that that was an important aspect of why he's become underrated because people just kind of cast him aside in terms of like, oh, well, he juiced a couple of times and, you know, he had a couple of positive tests, so, you know, we'll forget about him. But, I mean, he was around for, you know, whatever it is, eight years in Boston, nine years in Boston, uh, he had a, a pretty much a 1,000 OPS his whole for his career in Boston, and that's pretty much his career OPS anyway. But that's ridiculous. A career 1,000 OPS is insane. And the fact that he was able to put that up here and help the Red Sox win two World Series, it, it, nobody here will ever forget him. And, I mean, honestly, the Red Sox could do themselves a service by retiring 24 because it would apply for two guys, him and Dwight Evans, both of whom should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Um, but that's neither here nor there, I guess, for Evans. But I'm, you know, love Manny. I have nothing, nothing but good things to say about him. Although I would argue there is somebody ahead of him on this list who I think may have been a better value free agent addition. If you're talking about value for what you paid and what you got. Yeah, but I was referencing big contracts. Okay, that's a different story. You're not, you're sure it's not Pablo Sandoval or? Like, when you think about when you think about overall like those big contracts, how often do you even get half the value out of it? Yeah, not even. Not like, think about Pujols and Anthony Rendon just for the Angels off the top of your head. Oh my Two god! Two of the worst contracts ever. I mean, we were just talking about the Xander contract. Yeah. I mean, and obviously, so much remains to be seen. He could very well come next year, and his wrist feels fine, and he balls out like he did in the first month of the season for the entirety of it. So, like, I'm I'm not sealing the fate or at this point he's gonna he's gonna invite brandon to his hall of fame induction like michael jordan did with his uh his high (laughs) high school varsity teammates but if you're just looking at it in terms of like year one compared to what you think is coming uh i think that's a great point from dave because you know you you usually lock into those contracts expecting the back end to be kind of ugly and it wasn't really the case with manny we even still got good value when they traded him i don't remember what they got for him but i remember they got what, what did they get i feel like they got something of value they got jason bay yeah. That's right. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. And he had a really good season, even though he didn't end up finishing. Yo. Jason Bay. He's not going to come up on this list, but he'll come up in the honorable mentions. Spoiler alert. Uh, all right. Number two, the runner-up spot. Uh, this might be tag controversial, but we'll see. Uh, number two with 38 points, one point ahead of Manny. Number three for Dave. And number one for me is Mookie Betts. Wow. You had Mookie. I did. And I don't, I, I don't think it's controversial to say that Mookie is the best all-around player that has played for the Red Sox in our lifetime. I don't think it's controversial. No. Um, as, as much as I love who I put number two and who is, uh, spoiler, number one on the list, Mookie is an, a five-tool player, all-around freak. I mean, he was the 2018 MVP. It was a 10-war season, which in 10-B-war 10, 10 seasons, very rare. 42.2 baseball reference war in 794 games. That's pretty damn good. Uh, 613 runs scored, almost 1,000 hits, over 225 doubles, 26 triples, no slouch on the base paths, 139 homers, 470 RBIs, 126 stolen bases, hit 301, slash 374, 519, 893, and a 134 OPS plus, 
four straight top 10 MVP finishes, a four-time All-Star, a four-time Gold Glover, and a four-time Silver Slugger. Oh, and by the way, won a World Series with your Boston Red Sox in 2018. I mean, he, he was such a joy to watch on this team. And we don't need to revisit the trade again and again and again and again. But a guy like... He was the best homegrown talent they had produced since probably Fred Lynn or Jim Rice, whichever guy you want to talk about. I mean, Fred Lynn's probably more of a natural comp, even though he did not make the Hall of Fame, even though you could argue he should be in the Hall of Fame too, but whatever. Mookie was such a dynamic talent that he is a guy that your franchise should beg and plead to stay with them for their entire career. And it is such a disappointment that it didn't work out because he... I mean, going back to what we said, the mar- they did not respect market value. They, I, I think, lowballed them early on. And it's just so, so, so unfortunate. As a guy who clearly, you know, loves Mookie and wish he stuck around for his whole career because I think the guy was just such an electric player and was such a spark plug and had so many iconic moments for the Red Sox. I just I I love Mookie Betts. I think he's I think he's one of the three or four or five best players in the game today. He's probably going to be third and second or third in the NL MVP race this year. The guy's just a perennial top five player in his league, and it's a shame that they couldn't figure it out to have him stick around. So yeah, I mean I'm I just love Mookie. I think him being top three as you had him also number three, Dave. It's just pretty clear cut that he's one of the best players, and I think, I think as you you and I both have him, the best homegrown player for the Red Sox, and like I said, probably the past like forty five or fifty years. Yeah, uh, I love Mookie, and me putting him third was not anything against him. It just I've, was. Longevity. I've already emailed his representation to tell them that it was personal. Just so you know, it was, it was just about longevity for me. And, like, if Mookie plays his whole career, he's number one, and it's not close to me because yep. he's that talented and he's, and he's that good. Yep. He is going to go down as one of the five best players of our generation, and that's if he tails off a little bit. If he continues at this pace for another five or six years, he has a case of being top three. And at that point, you're really just debating who you like more because it's just, like, they're all crazy stats at that point. So, uh I've never seen a player – I remember when I was a senior in high school following him at single-A Lowell. Mm. Uh, because I used to go on WEI, their website used to have minor league roundup, and it used to tell you all about the prospects down uh, down all the different levels. I think her name was Kate Morrison wrote this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, time. Kate Morrison. I believe she's uh, she works for – she does photography for the Woo Sox now. And she's an independent photographer as well, but she does great work. Yeah, and it was fantastic because it was like she'd she'd take all the key ones, like this person snapped a hitting streak or this one like fired a shutout, this one didn't pitch well. It was like a great way to keep up with that, to pair with Sox prospects, to keep an eye on like, all right, this person's pretty good. And Mookie, I still remember his first year, was hitting 190 for like three months. But they were like, oh, don't give up on him. He's his on-base percentage. Despite hitting 190, was 405. That's insane. BC walked and hit and got hit by pitches so many so many times, and then all of a sudden, like the rocket ship, it just like clicked into place. Like 
like Alan in the hangover, like when you just see like his face like turned and all of a sudden he wins all the money. <laughs> it's like literally all of a sudden he was hitting like 400 in double A for like a month. And he goes to trip and he goes like all of a sudden the power comes, the doubles are coming. He's playing all these different plays- places. He all of a sudden goes from second to outfield and becomes like the best outfielder defensively in baseball. It's just like an outrageous track. And it's just a damn shame that we don't get to watch that guy who grew up in our system and came up at 20 years old and still dominated at 20 and 21. We don't get to watch him when you consider that Mike Trout is still on the Angels. (laughs) It's just a damn shame. It's true. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on Marcus Lynn Betts? Uh, Obviously, I love Mookie. Uh, Obviously, I'm still salty. He's not on the Red Sox anymore. Um, Nothing I can say in terms of uh, just talking about his ability and like like you guys said, five tool player, excellent at defense, excellent at offense, excellent at working the count. Every single thing that you could ever want in a baseball player, he is, and it's absolutely devastating that he's not going to finish his career here. And I hope that when all is said and done, he's still you know remembered as a Red Sox above all. But it does not look like that's going to be the case. Um, I will say though, um, I still think there's more that needs to be done in LA in terms of like uh the championship type of stuff uh because I think that 2020 World Series is uh I mean granted it's, it's a World Series but I'm not taking anything from it but if we're talking about like the least valuable World Series in baseball history that's up there um I think that uh that that's just me being salty for one but for two uh I think that when all is said and done, he's probably going to end up with multiple rings with the Dodgers, and he's going to be, uh, I mean, he's already gotten gold gloves with the Dodgers. I think there's more of those coming, and um, who knows, watch him switch to second base in a couple of years and be there full-time and still, you know, end up winning gold gloves. Um, with all that said, David Ortiz is the greatest Red Sox, of all, Red Sox of all time. I can't argue at all with you, though, Jake, for putting him at number one because he is the best player. Like, that's definitely um, a hands-down uh easy thing to concede well, uh but as far as just well, greatest Red Sox ever i think david ortiz uh takes that cake and i really don't think it's close mm-hmm. i don't think it's close with williams i don't think it's close with mookie I don't nobody think it's close with nobody said anything about david ortiz yet brandon all right we don't know who that is he is not <laughs> on the list we don't know that yet we have a few, just, uh, we've, just uh if, if he does right if he does somehow right. end up coming up on this list um, it would make sense. Uh, yeah, it, it would make sense. But, so, well, yeah, as far as Mookie goes, there's nothing that I can add that you guys haven't said already, and there's nothing that I can add that would, um, like, eclipse just what he does on the field every day. Um, base of a franchise, ultimate leader, ultimate guy who commands respect, um, top three player in baseball for the past six or seven years, um, including guys like Trout and Otani and Judge being his contemporaries. Um, again, I love Mookie Betts, and I, I still love watching him play just because of how good he is, but uh, I would be lying if I said, like, any time I watch him play baseball, it's bitter, it's bittersweet because uh, yeah. um, it's it's just so difficult to see him in another uniform. And, you know, his, his comeback to the to Fenway Park is coming up very shortly. Um, I think, although he's on the IL, um, Martinez, I think that Mookie, I think that even guys like Joe Kelly and Kike Hernandez and Ryan Brazier, they're all going to get... Um, you know, pretty warm return. Even Brazier, I said it, even Brazier, because he won a championship here. He's not going to get a standing ovation like the rest of those guys. Let me be clear. Yeah. Kike won't either. Um, but he, Brazier and Kike will even still get some cheers. 
Um, but fair, yeah. that, that's another point. Mookie is going to be getting standing ovations like that entire weekend. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can, you can bet your ass that's going to be happening. Um, anyway, we have some honorable mentions to run through. There are four guys that Dave had and four guys that I had that the other person did not rank. Um, I really struggled with who to put 20th. I was just running out of guys, and I'm sure Dave also was. Um, I actually put Jackie Bradley number 20 because he's the best defensive outfielder I've ever seen play for the Red Sox. So just for that, I threw him a, I threw him a point. That's fair. You know, uh, I, I, I love JBJ. I think that he's honestly underrated. Uh, ALCS MVP, that ring would not be one without him. That's true. Best defensive center fielder I've ever seen in a Red Sox uniform. Uh, Dave, you had Troy O'Leary 19th. I did not rank him. Uh, I have no fond memories of Troy O'Leary, so did not make my list. I threw him on there because when I was looking at the stats, close to an 800 OPS, I just felt like not bad. Long yeah. some decent homer totals. Throw him on there. Throw him a couple points. Throw him a couple points. Why not? Uh, John Valentin, Dave, your number 18 guy. I did not rank him. Solid player. Another guy. Another guy I just threw on there. I remember playing All Star baseball with him. He was a solid 90s guy for the Red Sox. Uh, he had eight, a couple years where he had like 320 or 325. 18th for me, I'll admit this is a bit of a stretch, but this is very nostalgic, and he was very important to that 2013 World Series. I put Mike Napoli on here. I love Mike Napoli, dude. Big Napoli fan. That, that home run off Verlander in, what was it, game four of the Tigers series? Yep, I remember I was at a uh, honors symposium at URI, and I was like checking the game, like the game cast on my phone, and I remember seeing that home run leave, and I was like, oh my God, they're going to win. All they needed was one run. That was it. That uh, lackey Verlander matchup was, in, was just a crazy duel. Uh, oddly enough, both of our number 15s were not on the other person's list. Uh, you had Adrian Gonzalez. I had Bill Miller. Neither ranked. I was going to put Bill Miller because he won the batting title that one year. But, but, you, but you didn't. But you didn't. But I but I felt like Gonzalez was a better overall yeah. hitter, even though the power just never I, showed up here. I also almost put Adrian Gonzalez on my list. Um, number 12 for me. Very surprised he did not get ranked, but I'm sure it was a longevity thing because he only played one year here. But you put Jason Bay, so I'm not sure. Uh, was Adrian Beltre? Yeah, I, didn't, I never really considered him because, like you said, only one year, even though it was an MVP caliber year. But, I mean, Bay played a little bit longer than... Uh, it's like one and a half years. Like a year and a half. All right. Yeah. And then the biggest omission, I guess, for me was just my understanding of lifetime because I never saw Mo Vaughn play for the Red Sox, so I didn't rank him. I'm going to call Mo and tell him that you didn't rank him. Well, I'm sorry that I was a year old when he won the MVP, so. Damn shame. I do, one, of, one of the greatest shirts I own, though, is a Mo Vaughn shirt. It's incredible. So, no don't, disrespect don't to Mo. Don't try to come back now. Don't try to come back now. Hey, no disrespect to Mo done, Vaughn. I just, you've done damage to Mo already. I was just doing of our lifetime, and it was guy like, if we're doing that, then Roger Clemens has to be on the list, too. Like, he was there when we were alive. So, you know. Uh, there were six guys that we both ranked that did not make the top ten by one point. One guy missed it. We'll get to him. Uh, Jay, I ranked him 19th. You ranked him 20th. J.D. Drew somehow snuck on there. <laughs> I actually thought, I mean, he had that one year where he carried them for like three months. He was the All-Star, All-Star. Game MVP that year. Mm-hmm. He was really, he was very important to them in 08. If they go on to win the World Series, I think he's remembered a lot differently. And he had the Grand Slam against the against Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he was pretty good in the 08 ALCS, right? Do I not? Am I mistaken? He was slumping, and then he ended up hitting the, the oh, Grand Slam. Right, he was the, he was the, yeah, ALCS MVP in 08, right? No, 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 yeah, he wasn't. He, no, they lost that year. That's why. Beckett was the 07 ALCS MVP, right? Yes, because he had the two starts against Cleveland. Yes, that sounds right. 
Uh, 13th for Dave, 17th for me, Jason Bay, the aforementioned Jason Bay. Uh, good player. Had a couple of really good seasons here. One very, very good season here. Um, I had a jersey somewhere, but I think I lost it, unfortunately. Uh, 13th for me, 17th for you, Dave. So the opposite of Jason Bay is Johnny Damon. How dare you? That's all I got. <laughs> I, Damon was just like one of those guys. I, It's just like, I don't know, throw him on there. That's fair. Uh, 12th for you, 16th for me, Trot Nixon. Love me some Trot Nixon, baby. Love me some Trot. I always thought he was a little overrated. Shut, shut up. Just stop talking. <laughs> uh, 11th for me, 16th for you, Jacoby Osbury. I was a little bit higher on him because he had some really damn good seasons here. Do you remember that one year we all thought he was going to all of a sudden turn into a power hitter? Yes, but also, the was it 2011, the year that he lost the MVP to Verlander? It might have been. Because he was like a runner-up or third place, and he had a really good case for MVP that year. But um, we see it the one year, he had like 300 with like 32 home runs. It was ridiculous. He was incredible. Uh, and the guy that missed the top 10 by one point, number 10 for me, number 14 for Dave, Mike Lowell. Love Mike Lowell, dude. Mike Lowell was a throw-in in that back of trade to clear the money because he had had bad years with Miami, and they pick him up, and all of a sudden he just, like, reverts back to the guy he was. Bro, I thought – and hey, you want to talk about throw-in. Talk about Guillermo Moda, my boy. Guillermo Moda, the reliever they threw in. Never pitched for the Red Sox. He got suspended right away for steroids, Hey, didn't he? hey, hey, you know what? Put him in the Hall of Fame. Anyway. Put him in the Hall of Fame. What? <laughs> the Red Sox Hall of Fame, I mean. Oh, of course. He earned it. <laughs> All right, number one, as uh, as Brandon may have alluded to earlier, uh, number one for Dave, number two for me. But I mean, it's it's uh, it's not a big. I'm not. There, there's not this huge gap like with Pedro and, and John Lester or Pedro and Josh Beckett. But yeah, it's David Ortiz. I mean, 52.7 uh, baseball reference WAR, over 2,000 hits, over 500 doubles, almost 500 home runs, over 1,500 RBIs, hit 290. Really impressive. 386, 570, 56 slash line, 148 OPS plus, five straight top to five MVP finishes, never won one, but came close every year from 03 to 07, a nine-time All-Star, a seven-time Silver Slugger, and, of course, a three-time World Series champion. Got better with age. The 2013 World Series is one of the greatest single World Series performances you will ever see, no matter what year we're talking about, no matter what era we're talking about. I mean... He's the big Poppy, man. He's, he's talking about heart and soul. Veritek was definitely a heart and soul of this team, but Poppy was the the leader of the Red Sox for 15 years. I mean, there was there was nobody with a louder voice, nobody with a bigger personality, and nobody you feared more when the chips were down than David Ortiz. Honestly, across the league, that's true. Yeah. I mean, his last year in the league, he was unbelievable. You know, his whatever, it was 40 years old. He hit, like, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was at least close to the lead for home runs or may have won the home run title. I have to look. But, um, I mean, it, it's, there's, what more do you say? I mean, he hit 38 home runs. He actually led the majors in doubles with 48 his last year in the league. 48 doubles, 38 home runs, led the, the American League with a 120, with 127 RBIs. Led the majors with a 620 slugging and a 1,021 OPS. Finished sixth in MVP voting that year. At the age of 40. Definitely on top. 
oh, my God. And the only thing that he didn't finish on top with was they couldn't even win a playoff series for him that year. But in the end, I mean, the guy just was remarkably consistent. He never dipped below 20 home runs in his entire time with the Red Sox. His low for a season was 23. And those were years he played, you know, uh, 109 games, 90 games. But if he was playing most of the time, he was hitting 30, 40, 50 bombs. I mean, he owns the single-season record, which uh, was held by a certain guy named Jimmy Fox for 68 years before it was eventually broken. Yeah, why don't you shut the hell up? Um, (laughs) If this was all-time, Jimmy Fox would be number three on this list. Um, Uh, Probably like 13. uh, You can just just stop. Um, But no, I mean, David Ortiz, he's just... He is Mr. Red Sox. Like he, he is he is the guy our generation. If you're doing a Mount Rushmore of Boston sports, David Ortiz is firmly one of the heads on that Mount Rushmore. I mean, just a, a guy you don't win any of those World Series without him, especially the first or the third one. I mean, 07, you want to say they were such a juggernaut, they would have won it anyway, whatever. But 04 and 13, especially 13, actually, especially 04 too, like you don't win without him. He is integral to those championships and more than a lot of other people. It's just, there, there's just so, not, you, you can't say it enough, but also there's, like, nothing to say. Like, it's David Ortiz and the Red Sox. There are fewer players more synonymous when they're with their franchise of our generation than David Ortiz and the Red Sox. Yeah, it's, he, he was the most clutch athlete. Like, when you think about it, when you go back, and you look at this era in Boston sports, you had some of the most clutch athletes in their generation playing for our city. You had Paul Pierce, who was probably not in the top three, but was in the top ten of clutchest players in the NBA at the, at the time. And you had Poppy, who was number one, and I will not hear arguments for anyone else. And you had Tom Brady, who was number one, and I will not hear anyone else. So you had three guys that, at the end of the game, you were like, you know what? We're losing, but all it takes is that guy. And they routinely did it over and over and over and over again. Poppy would hit singles, doubles, homers. He'd draw a key walk. He'd hit a ball to left field right out of the reach of someone. It just it didn't matter who was pitching, what they were throwing, or when it was. He would come through. And there's probably no greater compliment to someone than that. And the greatest, almost, I think one of the, another thing that's kind of, not really mentioned when you talk about him he started hitting for average as his career went on yeah like started at at like 260 270 and all of a sudden by the end of the year his last year he hit over 300 i think right yeah career 290 here with the red sox that's that's no slouch yeah 315 his last year think about how many power hitters that are that slow with the foot issues he's had can hit 300 with the shifts too this was still shifting there was still shifting going on at the end of poppy's career and he's still hitting around the shift 315 with a bum foot where he could barely walk after games. And he's still hitting 315 with the shift on. That's just, that's not even possible. Um, Brandon, I know that you said you had David Ortiz third behind Alejandro de Aza and Jeremy Hermida, but uh, what do you have on David Ortiz? Uh, you got that exactly right. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't have much to add compared to what I said earlier. Just I think he's the, the greatest Red Sox ever. Um, all the clutch moments, all of the the stories from being a rags to riches player, just a guy who was uh, went from cut by the Twins to becoming the greatest player in a franchise's history. 
Um, like I said in the last episode as well, uh, shout out to Pedro Martinez because he would not have been a Red Sox player without him. Um, just in terms of the influence that he had and also what kept him here on, on top of that every time there was uh, uh, the year before he was about to hit free agency and all of these things that never ended up be- being an issue like it was with so many other players. Um, yeah, Mr. Red Sox forever. Greatest Red Sox player in franchise history. Most clutch player in baseball history, I think is pretty easy to say. Um, and has some of the greatest moments in World Series history. Three rings under his belt. Um, just can't say enough good things about David Ortiz. Absolutely. Well, our top ten once more. Best Red Sox position players of our lifetime. Number ten, J.D. Martinez. Number nine, Jason Veritek. Number eight, Kevin Euclid. Number seven, Dustin Pedroia. Number six, Rafael Devers. Number five, Xander Bogarts. Number four, Nomar Garcia Parra. Number three, Manny Ramirez. Number two, Mookie Betts. And number one, David Ortiz. So, that will do it for our second part here. Any closing thoughts, Dave? Um, I think that it's pretty clear that the Red Sox in our lifetime have had pretty poor pitching for the most part, mm-hmm. with some very clutch seasons mixed in by certain guys like Beckett and Schilling and even that one year with their all-star appearance. But um, we were incredibly lucky with the middle of the order, seeing Ortiz for as long as we did. Like, we had no business seeing him for sustain that level of, of perfection for that long. Right. And you kind of rush right from that into Bogart, the Bogarts bets era and right into that, you know, you go to Devers and they've just had the pipeline of really consistent power hitters kind of coming up and maintaining this lineup that has like this team has been known for, for probably 30 years now at this point. Brian, any closing thoughts? Um, I know I gave you a, you guys a hard time last time on your list for you know not including guys like David Wells and mm. players like that, but um, really, really, really just like pissed off that for one, you know, uh, Brandon Brandon Ross is that that's his name Brandon Moss Brandon Moss Brandon Moss. Uh, I know you're a big you fan. Cody Ross Brandon Moss. Clearly yeah, a big I, fan I, of Brandon Ross. I, I mean, the reason I messed up his name is because because I'm so shocked that you guys didn't include him at least anywhere in the top five. Um, so that was a, a, a great miscalculation by both of you. Don't know how you missed it. Um, other than that, um, Edgar Renteria, um, that 29, 29 or 30 error season was pretty significant. I don't know if I've uh, seen that elsewhere. So that alone puts him in the top 10. Mm. Um, and then last but not least, I think J.D. Drew and Steven Drew should have been probably. Um, I know I said David Ortiz is the greatest Red Sox ever, but two and three, I, I you know, the minimum Mookie can sit, you know, far behind them by yeah. at least two or three tiers. Um, and their third brother who also played in the in MLB, yeah. I don't think he was ever on the Red Sox, but he should be on this list too. I think, you know, I, I believe you said before we started recording that if Kevin Pillar and Jed Lowry were on the list, you were going to quit. But yeah, I mean, we don't have the home run cart without Kevin Pillar. So that's, uh, I, I said, Kevin, I said, Kevin Pillar. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Kevin Pluck, sorry. That's, uh, you, just, you just tuned out when you heard Kevin. I mean, you heard what you wanted to hear. You heard yeah, what you wanted right, to hear. Exactly. I mean, I um, wanted to put Doug Marabelli on the list, but Dave overruled me because we weren't – I said I, – Dave, I was in the impression I was making a top 200, not a top 20, and then once I heard that, I had to cut Marabelli, unfortunately. Are, are we sure already, top 200 includes Dougie? How many Red Sox players get police escorts to the park? I believe right. uh, if you're ranking that, it's number one right there. That's Doug Marabelli. There's, there's no number two. I'll tell you that right now. 
Well, anyway, that'll do it for uh, for episode, this episode this week. We'll be back with uh, – we'll, we'll see what we got in the uh, coming down the pipeline. A lot coming up. The NFL season's right around the corner. Maybe do a little NFL preview action. Patriots going to win the Super Bowl? Maybe. Dave, Dave is saying it might be the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. We'll see. Dave is a big Trace McSorley fan, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, but until then, you can follow us at CSL Podcast on Twitter. We'll talk to you guys next week.